We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. So I get in my car late last night and uh, I go meet some buddies in, in San Francisco because one of my good friends is moving down to San Diego. And we go out and, and hang out and uh, eat some food, do that kind of stuff. And I get back in my car, I take the train back to, to Milbury and I get in my car and there's this person on 95 cent in the game. I'm like, that voice sounds really familiar, but dude sounds super young. And then it's Kyle Madsen talking to Chris Townsend about the 49ers. And I'm just like, man, I feel really old in this moment because that used to be me. That used to be me going on the impossibly late radio hits. And, and I want to apologize to any radio producers who uh, who listen to this show because I mostly ignore your requests to go on the radio these days. Uh, but no, Kyle, it was, it was super cool. Um, it was super cool to hear you talk uh, about, you know, the Niners and, and just sort of get that perspective where this is someone that I've talked ball with a lot and now hear him talking ball and with someone else. It was a proud dad moment. But one thing you didn't talk about, Kyle, were drug cartels. And they're all over the news. Uh, crime rings all over the place. Uh, but there's one that you probably never heard of. I didn't mention them at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> there's one crime ring you've never heard of, and Kyle definitely didn't mention it on the radio. And it's becoming one of the most dangerous in the world. You know what it is, Kyle? Uh, is it? Is it like? Is it like the the classic mob that we always learn about? It must be. It's the Mennonite mob. You heard right. Mennonites. Ninety-nine percent of them are kind, God-fearing people. But there's one group that has smuggled millions of dollars of narcotics from Mexico to Canada. Wednesday, starting January 23rd at 10, 9 central, WGN America presents a new TV series, Pure, based on the true events of the Mennonite mob. 
Uh, January 23rd was Wednesday. So check your check your DVR listings. The show is about Noah Funk, the newly elected Mennonite pastor who's determined to rid his community of the drug cartel, but he finds himself way in over his head. And the good pastor, along with his wife, will do some very bad things all in the name of protecting their family. Think of Pure as Breaking Bad meets Witness meets Narcos. Get hooked on Pure Wednesday starting January 23rd. That was this week. At 10, 9 central, only on WGN America. WGN America is available on DirecTV channel 307, Dish channel 239, or check your local listings for the channel in your area. Kyle, now you know the next time you go on a late night appearance on 95.7 The Game that you got to talk about the Mennonites. Yeah, that's absolutely going to be when, when they hit me up and they say, hey, can we get you at this time? I'm going to be like, you can get me at this time as long as Pure is not on WGN <laughs> and as long as we can talk Mennonite Mob. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. All right, everybody, welcome back to Candlestick Chronicles. My name's Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee, and I'm joined by Kyle Madsen, star of 95.7 The Game. Radio appearances late at night with Chris Townsend, uh, the content czar at Niners Wire uh, of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Kyle, how's it going, man? It's good. I want the record to show that that was a pre-recorded interview. We did that interview much earlier than when you listened to it because I do morning radio in Sacramento where I'm actually like on the radio. I'm not doing guest appearances and I wake up at 4 a.m. for that. So I was not awake at midnight for sure. I just want that. Yeah, to you didn't clear. respond. You didn't re- respond to my text in the group chat at midnight or whenever I sent it to you. <laughs> I, Ex- I didn't, but I got it this morning at four a.m. Explaining how much of a proud dad I was at that moment. <laughs> uh, so Kyle, we got a little bit of news. The Senior Bowl is tomorrow. Obviously, the coaching staff is gearing up for that one. Uh, the Niners are down in Mobile. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have been talking to reporters this week. Uh, I did not go to Mobile. I am going to go to the Combine, though. Uh, but there's a little bit of news since we last recorded this pod earlier in the week. Earl Mitchell, nose tackle. He's going to be gone. He's going to be a free agent when the new league year begins in March. Uh, the 49ers confirmed that. And basically, the move is going to save the Niners – something like 3.7 million over the next two seasons. Uh, so as long as he's given a post June, June 1st designation, which seems like it would make sense. Uh, Mitchell played 34% of the team snaps on the year. He was a healthy scratch for, for most of the last four games. Obviously that is a, that Mitchell being gone is, is a, is a big vote of confidence for DJ Jones, a late round pick in 2017 out of Mississippi, very athletic, uh, came on late last season when the 49ers were, were giving him some reps after seeing what he did in practice and things like that. The nose tackle obviously is not a super important position. Like we said, Mitchell would play 35 to 45% in the games that, that he would play. Um, so, you know, he was a guy who was very respected in the locker room. He was one of the first free agent additions Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch made after they were hired in February of 2017. So he was brought in really to sort of set the tone. Uh, he played well, but it just seemed like when it came to uh, a cost cost benefit analysis, the 49ers determined that Mitchell, a veteran, uh, what wasn't going to be in the long term plans, and and they would go with a significantly cheaper option in DJ Jones. 
Yeah, and these are the kind of decisions that they're going to have to start making because they have to start putting together a roster they think can go to the playoffs. And Earl Mitchell is a fine rotational player, but I they need they need young impact players and as many of them as possible. And they need as much cap space as they can to try and acquire players like that. And and Mitchell just really didn't fit any longer, but he certainly played a key role, as you said, in the locker room. And I think they they they'll be fine without him moving forward, though. Yeah, and he turns thirty two in September. So the Niners, who have been mostly rebuilding over the last you know couple of years, are looking to get younger and and cheaper at at areas on the margins. And I think anytime you can, you know, I think um, DJ Jones is going to make something like five hundred thousand, basically the league minimum next year. And and like we said, Mitchell was was slated to have a four and a half million dollar cap hit over each of the next two seasons after signing for four years and and 16, 16 million combined. Uh, so there's that news. There's a little bit more news, which doesn't necessarily pertain to uh, the next regular season, but it's a pretty big off-season story. Center Weston Richburg, who became one of the highest-paid centers in the league when he signed a five-year $47.5 million contract with the 49ers in the off-season, uh, he's going to miss the entire off-season program because he's going to have surgery, or he already had surgery, uh, on a knee injury that was also related to his quad. Uh, and DJ Reed, the promising fifth-round pick defensive back who played nickel and, and free safety throughout last year, he's also going to miss the offseason program. Uh, I think he's having surgery today. We're recording this on Friday, and John Lynch said it would be Friday uh, that he would have surgery to repair a torn labrum in his shoulder. Uh, the 49ers are hopeful that both those guys can return for, in time for training camp in late July. Um but those are two important positions, and then there are going to be a lot of reps missed throughout, you know, OTAs uh, and things like that. Richburg, in you know, in particular, obviously plays a very important position at center. He's the one responsible for calling all the signals and change and helping, you know, the quarterback change protections at the line of scrimmage and things like that. Um, he didn't play particularly well last year, and I think a lot of it has to do with the injury. He he suffered the injury initially in the first quarter of that game, week four. Uh, in LA against the Chargers and just never really looked the same. And he, he allowed 23 hurries, which was the third most uh, among centers, according to pro football focus tracking. They ranked him 45th of the 50 centers they graded last year, which obviously isn't very good. Uh, I think he struggled with, you know, some powerful defensive tackles. I think Aaron Donald was a, was a real pain for him. Uh, he's, he's pretty light for, for a center. He checks in at about 295 pounds. He's, you know, he's he's was brought in more for his athleticism and his ability to get to the second level and block in the running game and things like that. Uh, and obviously in pass protection, when you need to anchor and, and rely heavily on your leg strength, when your quad is hurt and your knee is hurt, uh, that that's where that's going to show up. So uh, the 49ers are hoping, you know, that Weston Richburg can can get healthy and bounce back next season and have a good year. Uh, the 49ers are hoping, you know, Kyle Shanahan thought this was an Alex Mack like signing. Uh, he basically got the identical contract that Mac got when Shanahan was with Atlanta, and Mac is obviously you know one of the best centers in football. So that's a pretty big story, and it, and it means Eric Magnuson and Najee Toran are, are likely to take the reps at center. Uh, it could could also mean that there's more urgency to bring back Mike Person, who played right guard all throughout last year, but was also the backup center. Um, as far as DJ Reed goes, he was going to be a guy who can competes with Kwan Williams possibly for the starting nickel role. I thought Reed played really well late in the year. 
uh, in that nickel slot corner job. I think he's much better there than at free safety. He played, he played corner in college, so I think is a more natural transition to him at the next level. Um, and obviously, you know, he would be in the mix to to start at both those spots. So he's going to miss valuable offseason reps, and I think that's you know kind of a bummer for him. Yeah, I think for Richburg, obviously getting that getting that knee and that quad cleaned up is going to be a big deal. But when he comes back healthy, he he's got a starting job. He's going to be their starting center and hopefully have a bounce back year. For Reed, missing missing time with that shoulder, not getting the reps in the offseason is going to be huge, especially if they add more competition uh, at, at either that nickel corner spot or at free safety that's going to be probably the toughest competition in camp and having a, having a guy coming into his second year be behind the eight ball. That's going to be very, very tough for him. And it certainly for, for me drops my outlook on him for next year uh, for sure. Yeah. And if you look at it, so now you have Weston Richburg, uh, DJ Reed, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jarek McKinnon. These are all pretty important players who are going to miss the bulk, if not all of the off season program. So that's not necessarily a death knell for for them in in 2019 obviously when the regular season comes around but it's it's going to be something to to track as we get into training camp because there's going to be a lot of rust um and you know if if guys are playing catch up all throughout training camp that normally doesn't necessarily bode well for for the start of the regular season but you know, things, things can, can turn around quickly. Uh, some guys hit the ground running after injuries and, and missing the off season stuff isn't a huge deal, particularly if they, if they keep, you know, they stay mentally sharp, they, they stay focused in meetings and, and they're very active, uh, in what they can do off the field in terms of preparation and things like that. A couple more quick notes before we dive into the topic of this podcast, uh, Martin Mayhew, who is a senior personnel executive the last couple of years, former teammate of John Lynch, former general manager of the Detroit Lions, uh, has been given a promotion. Uh, he's going to be the vice president of player personnel, which is the same title that Adam Peters has, uh, but they're going to share different responsibilities. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what, what that entails specifically. Uh, I'd imagine Mayhew got a nice little raise. Uh, so there's that. Uh, the 49ers do want to re-sign Robbie Gold, which is which is something uh, John Lynch told reporters down in Mobile this week. Obviously, that's that's not particularly surprising. Uh, Lynch told reporters, "quote We're hopeful to work things out with Robbie. He's kicked unbelievably for us. He's been incredibly clutch for us, and we'd like to reward him for us." We're talking, um, and you know he's obviously talking about contract negotiations. The franchise tag, which seems like a distinct possibility if the Niners can't come to a multi-year agreement with Robbie Gold, would probably be something like five and a half or six million dollars. It was it was just over five million last year. The Niners haven't used a franchise tag in a long time. I think the last time they used it was on safety to Sean Goldson. Um, but you know, he Gold is really the only candidate for the franchise tag that the 49ers have. And uh, if they don't come to a multi-year deal, then I think. The, the franchise tag is certainly a possibility, and I think we mentioned it in the previous podcast, but you know, obviously he's been one of the best kickers in the league since coming to the 49ers last year, and, and he led the league in, per, in you know make percentage uh, last season. So our topic today, Kyle, we're going to talk about, we're going to kick off a series of uh, free agency position-by-position position breakdowns. So in this episode, I think we're going to start with receivers uh, and look at 
what the 49ers have, uh, how big of a need it is. And, and we got some guys that we listed off that we think the Niners are, are going to target. Um, Kyle, when you look back at, at 2018 and, and the receiver position, what, what do you think stands out about the year for, for that position group? The lack of production, for sure. Uh, when when you look at when you look at what that group did, there was no there was no bona fide number one receiver, and the production from their their top receiver Kendrick Bourne was more akin to production you'd see from maybe a third or fourth receiver. He had forty two catches for four hundred eighty seven yards and four touchdowns. Dante Pettis twenty seven catches for four sixty seven and five touchdowns. Uh, their ineffectiveness in the red zone killed them. And their inability to stay healthy, I think, I think impacted their play a lot. But just the the lack of a, a elite top end playmaker at that spot uh, really stood out to me last year. Yeah, three of the Niners' four leading pass catchers were non receivers. George Kittle obviously led the team with eighty eight catches, and he had his record setting year with thirteen hundred and seventy seven yards. Uh, Kendrick Bourne was second on the team with 42 catches, 487 yards, like you mentioned. Kyle Juszczyk, third on the team, the fullback, with 30 catches. Jeez. Not a necessarily impressive number. It is for a fullback, but but not in terms of the, the big picture of your offense. Matt Breida was fourth on the team, starting running back with 27 catches. And then you get to Dante Pettis, who also had 27 catches. Uh, and then Trent Taylor at 26. Pierre Garçon, 24 in only eight games. Uh, I think the big point that is heading into this offseason that that the 49ers really have to think about is is the idea that Pierre Garcon is there's a good chance he's playing elsewhere and he only appeared in eight games again for the second straight year he dealt with knee injuries he had knee surgery in December uh, it was arthroscopic he had a, a small fracture in his neck that cost him the second half of last season he was on pace for a thousand yards last year uh, we talked a little bit about it in in the previous pod but he just never really seemed to get on track with with Jimmy Garoppolo, and we saw that in training camp. Um, and so, you know, based on his cap number, it's it's reasonable to assume that Pierre Garcon might be, you know, might join the likes of Earl Mitchell and and you know become a cap casualty as the 49ers try to get younger uh, and cheaper, or create a vacancy for somebody like Antonio Brown, who we've also talked about at length. Uh, but this podcast is not going to be about Antonio Brown, so. If you're the 49ers, I, I think you have to go into this offseason considering it, considering receiver, probably your second biggest need overall, I would say. I mean, we've talked a lot about edge rushers, and, and it's pretty clear that that's their primary need if the defense is going to take the next step. They really need somebody to, mm-hmm. to sort of tie it all together off the edge. But when you look at receiver and you have Marquise Goodwin and Dante Pettis, two guys who struggled with injuries last year, uh, I think, you know, if we're if we're making this out of five stars, I think this is a four star need. And I think whether it's free agency or the draft, the, the Niners have to make a significant investment or two with this spot, particularly if they like Ogar song. Yeah, when you go look at I compare everything Kyle Shanahan related to the 2016 Falcons. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's like the blueprint. Right? Yeah, that's, that's like the ideal blueprint for the offense. Right, and that year their top three receivers or their top three pass catchers were all wide receivers, then two running backs, then another wide receiver before they got to a tight end. And I understand that they didn't have a playmaker of George Kittle's caliber, but that that's of no mind. The top three receivers were Julio Jones, who had 1,400 yards, 
Muhammad Sanu, who had 653 yards, and Taylor Gabriel, who had 579 yards. So Taylor Gabriel, uh, the number three receiver last year, had more yards than the Niners' number one receiver last year. Or Taylor Gabriel right. in 2016 is the number three receiver on the Falcons, had more yards than Kendrick Bourne, who was the Niners' leading wide receiver last season. That's what I was getting at. Right, and, and I do think, uh, you know, I, I, Pierre Garçon's a talented player. Uh, Marquise Goodwin obviously ha- has shown flashes, particularly in 2017 when he nearly had 1,000 yards. But I think the biggest problem the 49ers had was a lack of continuity, and it really started early in the year uh, because, you know, Marquise Goodwin suffered that that quad injury in week one against the Vikings. And then a couple weeks later, Dante Pettis, who was, who was Goodwin's primary replacement, went down with a knee injury uh, week four against the Chargers. So it, it was sort of like the way we talk about the the safety position. And, you know, we, we made so much of the eight different combinations at safety the 49ers started throughout the year, and it led to communication breakdowns at the back end of the defense. Well, I think on offense, or maybe the entire team, chemistry is, is of the utmost importance, like more important than any other spot, I think just between quarterback and receiver because it's it's all timing and precision-based. And the 49ers really didn't have a ton of continuity at receiver because those guys were in and out of the lineup. So I think that's a big part of it. I think durability is something the 49ers need to focus on. Uh, and that's obviously they they fired their, their head trainer and head strength and conditioning coach. Uh, so they're still in the market for those guys. But that's a big thing too is just not, not necessarily – you know, they have talented players. They have starting caliber players. You'd obviously like to have more, but I think they need more durable players. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think I think a guy they can have on the perimeter who is just a go-to wide receiver is, is an absolute necessity. They need somebody who, when a defense just fully commits to stopping George Kittle, which we've seen multiple times this year, I think it was the se- his second half of the Broncos game. He didn't have a catch. And I think the second half against the Giants, he had a huge first half and maybe one catch in the second half. They need a a player who can take some of the pressure off of, of a guy like George Kittle. And that's going to be, you know, I think Dante Pettis, like you said, good player. And Kendrick Bourne had a nice year. And Marquise Goodwin's a good player. They need somebody that that scares defenses both over the top and in the, and in the middle of the field. And I think that has to be a priority for them either through the draft or, or in free agency, which is, which is what we're talking about today. Yeah. So what, let's, let's start going down the list. I think you have to start. Oh, it, I, I think you have to start by saying it's not a great free agent class of receivers. It's, There's no real marquee name out there. Most of the, the best receivers are locked right. up. Um, but one guy, I mean, he had, he had a big play in the playoffs. One of the biggest for the, for the Eagles this season, uh, that's Golden Tate, and I think he fits just because he's small, he's shifty, he's a good route runner, and he's really good with with the ball after the catch, and that's an important aspect of Kyle Shanahan's offense because Shanahan is so good at getting receivers open in space. You like those those wideouts who who can make plays with the balls in their hand with the ball in their hand after uh, after the catch. And the Eagles are 14 million over the cap right now, so they're going to have to make some serious concessions this offseason. And I would imagine that includes not bringing Tate back. So you know, he caught the the game winning touchdown in Chicago against that defense. He's a guy who can beat man to man coverage. Uh, 795 yards on 74 catches between two teams last year, joining the Eagles at the trade deadline. 
uh, after starting the year with with the Lions. He had over a thousand yards in three of the previous four years. Uh, somebody who I, I think is sort of the perfect Shanahan receiver, just in terms of you know Shanahan obviously doesn't value size and and straight line speed as much as shiftiness and the ability to get open. Uh, and I think Tate is is sort of exactly that kind of player. But I'm not sure the Niners are going to be willing to pay somebody, you know, $10, $12 million a year. And particularly at Tate's age, he's he's north of 30. Kyle, Kyle what's your take on, on Golden Tate as a, as a possible addition? Yeah, I, I wish I had something more, but I, I completely agree with everything you just said. If Golden Tate is 27 then I think we're we're talking about something different because he can be a foundational piece of their offense moving forward. He's he's not going to be that. And while they could use a playmaker... It turns 31 in August. Yeah, while they could use a play... So he'll be 31 before the start of this season. He's going to command probably a multi-year deal uh, with, with, with big dollars tied to it. I just... I, I think he's a perfect fit in their offense. And if for some weird reason a market doesn't develop and they can get him either on a short-term deal or for relatively cheap, then then sure, I think they go make a run. But uh, if the market develops the way I think it will for him, where he is uh, the most sought-after receiver on the free agent market, I, I don't think the Niners will be players for him. Yeah, the Niners have never, and this goes back to Trent Baalke, they've never really been willing to pay market value uh, for just for like a big name and guy. You- like you pay a lot more on the free agent market than you would say in the draft or um, you know, in, in any other avenue you would have toward acquiring talent like that, uh, you're paying, it's sort of like buying a car. Like as soon as you drive it off the lot, it, it loses a ton of value. You, you pay the sticker price and then the value immediately goes down. That's sort of what NFL free agency is. Uh, so yeah, when you, when you look at golden Tate, he's probably going to want a three-year deal. He's probably going to want 10, $12 million a year. And I think the 49ers could afford it. Uh, but I think if I know Kyle Shanahan, I think he would rather draft somebody maybe in the second round or with that pick number 36 overall that they're going to have. Um, you know, maybe maybe they find a receiver there that they like that they think could be a potential starter. Uh, why don't Why don't you tell me about the the next guy on our list, Tyrell Williams of the Chargers, and he's a bigger bodied guy, uh, but I know he's somebody you've liked a lot. Uh, so so what's your take on on him? Yeah, Tyrell Williams is a guy. He had a he had a really nice year this year. Uh, had back-to-back 100-yard games in the middle of the season. He caught 41 balls for 653 yards and five touchdowns. And when I was kind of researching him during the playoffs, I didn't realize how good he's been for the Chargers the last few years. Uh, he had 1,000 yards in 2016 with seven touchdowns. He had 728 yards last season with four touchdowns. He just seems to be a guy, 6'4", 205, he can impact games in the red zone and down the field, but that's not the only areas where he's dangerous. And as you mentioned, uh, the players that Kyle Shanahan likes, he likes guys that can get open in in multiple areas. And I think Williams fits that, but I also think he fits nicely into their need in the red zone. They were the worst red zone team in terms of touchdown percentage this season. And I think that had a lot to do with the fact that they didn't have a go-to receiver in that area of the field. So I think Williams is a is a player who not only impacts the game uh, between the 30s, but but he can inside the red zone as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And the Chargers only have $25 million in cap space, which isn't a ton to re-sign guys like Tyrell Williams. 
Um, so yeah, I think I think that definitely makes a lot of sense. At six four, he would be the 49ers' biggest receiver by far, um, by and adds much needed size, uh, which you touched on. So the next guy I think is, that's worth talking about is Jermaine Curse, and he might be somebody that the 49ers could bring in on on an affordable contract. Uh, he had 810 yards and five touchdowns in 2017 with the Jets, when obviously they didn't have a very good quarterback situation last year. He, his numbers fell to, to just 371 yards and one touchdown, which makes me think the 49ers could probably get him on the cheap as he would look to, to sort of rebound. And I see him sort of in that Z receiver role uh, that Pierre Garçon plays. So, Kyle, you, you're and, and you remember, Curse has made a lot of, of really big catches with the Seahawks and the playoffs mm-hmm. and the NFC title game and the Super Bowl. Uh, I just think he would be a, a solid veteran that you could bring in and, and be productive in the right situation uh, and somebody who wouldn't cost all that much or really prevent you from from using a, a top draft pick on a receiver. I admittedly haven't watched a ton of Jermaine Curse since he went to the Jets, but I know when he was with the Seahawks, he's just one of those players that you're not quite sure how he does it, but he, he finds ways to get open, uh, especially when extending plays. And you mentioned he had what... I still maintain the catch he made prior to Russell Wilson's interception against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. You'll remember he had that falling juggling where he like kicked it in the air as he was falling and then caught it. Yeah. 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 I have be, a really hot would, take about that whole sequence that maybe we can talk about some other time, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> that catch. Uh, if, if the Seahawks score there, that goes down as the greatest catch in Super Bowl history, right up there with the David Tyree catch. So, uh, like you said, he's done it. He's he's made some incredible catches in big moments. And I know that's not what the Niners are banking on. They're not like, hey, let's throw it up and see if this guy can make a circus catch. But he's just a reliable, uh, gets open and catches the ball type of receiver, which seems to be the, the style of player that Shanahan uh, gears himself towards more than the physical specimen types. I would agree. So why don't we take a quick break? Hey guys, it's Chris, and like the rest of us, you probably made a New Year's resolution. If you're planning to eat better, exercise more, be more patient, kinder, go on 95.7 The Game at midnight, it all starts with a good night's rest. Go to MyPillow.com for the four-pack special and enter my promo code COZY, and you'll get two premium MyPillows and two Go Anywhere pillows. It's amazing what a difference a great pillow makes. If you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on their four-pack, shipping is absolutely free. That's right, no shipping costs. Zippo, zilch, nada. And don't forget about their 60-day money-back guarantee. There's nothing better than the gift of restorative sleep. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the four-pack special, and use my code, COZY, C-O-Z-Y, to get two premium my pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. MyPillow.com or call 800 800- Nine six six one four seven two, and remember, my promo code can be used on any offer on mypillow.com. That's promo code cozy c o z y. Kyle, so the next receiver, free agent receiver on our list, is Dontrell Inman of the Colts. Uh, he's six three, two hundred and five pounds. His stats aren't crazy. Uh, he caught 20, 28 balls, 304 yards, three touchdowns last year, but he did catch 71.8% of his targets. Uh, and in 2016 with the Chargers, his career year, he had 810 yards, four touchdowns. So I think he's another guy similar 
similar to the Tyrell Williams mold, someone who's a little bit bigger, who might be underutilized, who might be able to come in on the cheap and and give you sort of a veteran presence, but also somebody who you might be able to get 800, 800 yards out of. And, and like Curse, who we just mentioned, uh, he's not going to prevent you from, from making a, a significant investment at receiver. Uh, but he's going to be somebody who could who could provide solid depth if needed and, and just push the entire group up a peg uh, as a whole. Yeah, the thing that stands out to me for for him, he didn't play for the Colts until the second half of the season this year. And here were his receptions by game. So he played in in nine games, six, four, four, three, two, zero, four, five, four, four. That includes their playoff loss to Kansas City and their playoff win over Houston. He was just a super reliable receiver on a really good offense. And when you look at players like that, whose numbers don't jump off the page, you you look at the offense or and you go, this is a guy who went in, uh, found ways to get open, found ways to earn targets in an offense that, uh, you know, distributed the ball pretty well. So I, I, I like the idea of bringing in a player like Dontrell Inman, because as you noted, he wouldn't probably be very expensive, and and he adds some some much needed depth to to a receiving core that really uh, is is pretty vastly unproven. Have you looked at the uh, Colts salary cap situation this offseason? It is unbelievable, dude. They have one hundred seventeen million dollars of cap space. Their cap space just says yes. Like they just. <laughs> it's just. I don't it, even know how that's possible because Andrew they, Luck is an expensive quarterback. Andrew Luck is making buku dollars. Let me let me let me track him down here. Andrew Luck uh, in twenty nineteen <laughs> is going to cost twenty seven and a half million dollars, which is what Jimmy Garoppolo averages. Here's um, here's why here's why the Colts have so much cap space. Uh, this is next year. They're one, two, three, four. Eric Ebron is their fifth highest paid player. It's six point seven million. Jeez, yeah, That's they're a, in a good spot. Cap number, yeah, they're, they're, in, a, in, a they're in a great spot. spot to have a to have a capable veteran quarterback coming off a playoff appearance who's now healthy, a bunch of really good defensive players, Quentin Nelson. And a hundred and twenty hundred and seventeen million dollars in cap space. Unbelievable. That's crazy. Dude. So maybe they what, want to bring him back. They certainly can afford it. What Chris, um, what Chris so, Ballard has done there has been unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. They uh they turn that thing around really quickly. Um so Kyle, you uh let's move on to the next guy. Rashard Matthews, being the Titans expert that you are, yeah. yeah. Shout out to Titans Wire. Uh, the former Titan showed up on our list. Tell me what you like about him and, and why you think he fits. Richard Matthews had his his first two years in Tennessee. So last year he was uh, super underwhelming. He played eight games between the, the Titans and the Jets. He played three games with the Titans. And then there was some weird uh, internal issues between him and him and the coaching staff. And so they released him. He signed with the Jets. He only played five games. And caught two balls for 13 yards. Uh, but prior to that, in 2016 and 2017, uh, he played 16 games in 2016. He caught 65 balls for 945 yards and nine touchdowns. Uh, and then in 2017, he backed that up with 53 catches for 795 yards and four touchdowns in 14 games. And, and I, what he does 
is I think I think exactly what Kyle Shanahan looks for. He's not he's not a huge guy, but he just he's shifty. He gets open. He has reliable hands. You can send him over the middle. He'll make a tough third down catch. He gets open in all areas of the field. My worry is that uh, those two years in Tennessee were more of an outlier than than the norm, and what we saw last year. Uh, was a little bit of a regression. He dealt with a knee injury in the preseason with the Titans, and maybe it just took him a while to get past that, or maybe we're kind of seeing him fall back down to earth a little bit. But I don't think the market will be very high on him. And if if what the Niners want to do is bring in a veteran receiver uh, with experience uh, who gets open and, and can be a reliable pass catcher, I think Matthews is absolutely the the kind of player they should go get. Yeah, and, and we mentioned the Colts salary cap situation. The Jets have almost $94 million in cap space, so I'd imagine they brought him in with the idea that we're going to give this guy a trial run. He's talented, and, and he's been productive in the past, and maybe he's somebody we re-sign. Um, but if he does hit the open market, I'm with you. I think that would be an intriguing addition, uh, particularly if they move on from Pierre Garçon. So one guy, let's finish up this list. Uh, one guy, an athletic freak who really destroyed the 2015 combine, uh, who's been pretty good for the Chiefs, is a receiver named Chris Conley. And obviously the Chiefs, you know, he he caught 32 balls, 334 yards, but he caught five touchdowns. uh, And he caught almost 62% of his targets from Patrick Mahomes. He's, he just turned 26 in October and let, let's let's go to his his spider chart. I'm a big spider chart guy. You are big um, on the you are big on the spider graph, like what, spider graph. Yeah, what? spider graph or chart, one in the same. So, uh, his vertical jump at the 2015 combine was 45 inches, which is damn near four feet. Uh, his broad jump that's the 99th percentile, by the way. That's that's the highest, the the best you can do. Uh, The broad jump, 139 inches, also in the 99th percentile. Uh, He has long arms. Uh, He has pretty big hands. Uh, He ran a 4.35 in the 40-yard dash, which isn't quite Marquise Goodwin speed, but it would probably make him the second fastest player on the roster, or at least in the conversation. Uh, And his his 40-yard time is in the 92nd percentile. So all of that is very intriguing, and his red zone efficiency certainly adds to that. Uh, But one concern or quibble I I would have, and this sort of speaks to a broader conversation that we can have about Kyle Shanahan and the way he evaluates receivers as a whole, Conley's three-cone drill was 7.06 seconds, which is in the 28th percentile. Nice. And and this three-cone drill is, you know, arguably the most important change of direction drill that they do at the combine. And what it's meant to illustrate is uh, your, your lateral agility and route running, really. It's, it's all about quickness in and out of breaks. So what we know about Connolly is he's crazy fast. He can jump crazy high. He can get, he's, he can catch passes in the red zone. But we don't know if he's going to be that route runner who can separate from man-to-man coverage that Kyle Shanahan covets. So I'm very curious to see what the 49ers approaches towards Chris Connolly uh, because he is that hyper-athletic vertical threat, maybe more of of the X receiver designed to, to take the top off the offense than maybe a Z like Pierre Garçon the 49ers might be looking for. 
But a player you could get, you know, he's going to be 26 at the start of next year, a player you could get probably at a reasonable price in his physical prime, maybe with a little bit of untapped potential, but I'm not entirely sure about his fit, but his athleticism is so intriguing. I think we have to talk about it. Yeah, I think if the 49ers look at their roster and say, you know what, we need a big, fast receiver who can jump and make plays in the red zone. Maybe he plays 12 snaps a game, but he's going to be effective in those 12 snaps. I think Conley's the exact player they're looking for. I doubt they're going to do that because they have way too many holes on their roster to start getting that specific with, <laughs> with, with, who, they, with who they want. One of the big things, and and I was very pro Conley at the start of this conversation, and then we kind of started talking about it a little bit. Remember when I mentioned Dontrell Inman's consistency, and and you know he caught X amount of passes uh, in all these games. Sure. For for Conley, he caught more than four passes once. He caught four passes once and seven passes in one game. That was in that ridiculous shootout against the Rams. He had seven for 74 and two touchdowns. But other than that, you're looking at one reception, two receptions, none. Uh, two. He had no receptions in, uh, in their season finale against Oakland and then none in either of their playoff games. So that is, is for sure worrisome. And one of those one of those uh, areas that when the 49ers are are digging deeper onto those free agents, I think that's going to stand out much more than than his size and speed. Well, that's true. He also played in an offense with Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, and Travis Kelsey. So I yeah. don't know. Like, are we going to hold that against him? Yes, that he wasn't like ultra productive all the time. I mean, he as as really the the fourth passing option in that ridiculous yeah and he still caught five touchdowns he still caught five touchdowns which is which is which would lead the 49ers and i believe uh it would have tied for the lead i think and i believe if i remember correctly all five of his touchdowns came in the red zone in fact that's a that's a that is a true fact 15 yards four yards eight yards 10 yards two yards yeah you want to throw out an alternative fact i would absolutely not (laughs) um let me look so yeah george kittle and dante pettis each had five touchdown pass put touchdown catches so Connolly as the number four option for the chiefs and this speaks to just how insane the chiefs offense was with patrick mahomes who threw 50 touchdowns uh i mean i I think the niners i think kyle shanahan could figure out a way to make Connolly work i think one thing i like about it is if maybe you're not banking on Marquise Goodwin to to play 16 games because of his injury issues, then maybe Connolly gives you some of the depth that you didn't have before and gives you some of that deep speed to take the top off the off the, the defense, which has proven so important. Really, Marquise Goodwin's value to the 49ers is is almost as much as a decoy as it is somebody to catch passes. Um, and we saw it, you know, he, that obviously the Monday night game against Green Bay where he caught two long touchdowns. Well, it was an outlier for the season, but I, I think adding someone like Connolly, the idea is sort of growing on me just from the sense that you can't necessarily rely on Goodwin to to play 16 games. And if you have someone else with that deep speed, uh, so you're not relying on Dante Pettis 
to be that sole X option. You might need him more at Z, particularly if you move on from Pierre Garcon. Then maybe somebody like Connolly to provide depth and provide a red zone threat and just that deep speed, the ability to to take the top off and occupy safeties and things like that. The idea of Connolly's kind of growing on me, particularly when you talk about the cost. I don't think he's going to cost an arm and a leg. Yeah, and that's 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 I think what it comes down to with all these receivers, with the exception of maybe Tate and maybe Tyrell Williams. I'm not sure any of them are going to be particularly expensive. And if the 49ers can bring them in, uh, when you look at uh, obviously the Niners aren't going to aren't going to be the Patriots, but when you look at what the what the Patriots do is is they find a player who's good at something and ensure that they that they do that thing. And if the Niners can can bring in a player like like Conley and say, hey, you are very fast and you jump really high. Here are ways that we're going to maximize that skill set, then then absolutely. And I think they'll do that with with whichever receiver they bring in because I don't think any of them are going to be particularly expensive. Yeah, and I think uh, we should end on this since the Senior Bowl is going to be Saturday and maybe you listen to this after the Senior Bowl is played. But one guy to keep an eye on at the Senior Bowl who's on uh, the 49ers team, the South team, is Debo Samuel, the receiver from Love South Debo. Carolina. I, lo- I wrote a little bit about him in the Sacramento Bee. Uh, not, a, not a big guy in terms of height, but he is thick. He's, he's 215 pounds and he's got enormous hands. And there's videos circulating of him at practice just – being an absolute menace as a as a as a route runner and just dusting these cornerbacks with with quick moves and separation skills, and he looks a lot like Pierre Garcon to me, somebody who can make tough catches in traffic while being a good route runner, and might be sort of that perfect uh, Z receiver who we've talked about. And when you start thinking about you know I don't know if he's a second round pick or a third round pick, but I think that's going to be the range the 49ers are looking for uh, when they look at wide receivers again this year. So Debo Samuel, South Carolina, is a guy to keep an eye on at the Senior Bowl. Uh, And sadly, because I'm not in Mobile, that is going to conclude our Senior Bowl preview. Unless, Kyle, you have something. Yeah, I have a couple more things about Debo Samuel because I am very intrigued by him. In 2016, he ran 15, it rushed 15 times for 98 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, He also returned kicks. He returned four kicks and averaged 29 yards per kick return in college. So this guy, he's he can move a little bit, and like you said, not the biggest guy, but certainly a player I'm keeping my eye on uh, in uh, in Saturday's game. And that kick return ability, you know, the Niners might not bring in somebody like that to return kicks necessarily, but Kyle Shanahan has said he uses it as, as a scouting tool. If you can return kicks and make guys miss in space, and obviously you're going to be good after the catch, then you're probably going to be a good route runner, and that's one of the things the 49ers really liked about Dante Pettis, obviously his 11 touchdowns or whatever. Was it 11 or nine? Something ridiculous over his four seasons. The the punt return touchdown set an NCAA record. And even though the 49ers didn't get a ton from Pettis in the return game, that was really one of the major sticking points in the scouting process was the fact that he's got such quick feet and he's so nimble uh, that that really translates to just playing receiver. So if the 49ers look at Samuel the same way, and think, wow, this guy's got really good return skills, and he's, you know, maybe he's really good after the catch. But I'm watching these tapes, and, and Dane Brugler just posted one on Twitter, the the uh, really good draft guy for the Athletic. He just showed he he showed a, a Debo running a, an out route in the red zone and in, in in individual drills, and just completely uh, leaving the court the cornerback in his dust, and it's very similar to that play. Uh, was it? 
which game was it where Dante Pettis just just like started? He ran a fake slant. He, he took a step in. At the one, it was against yeah. the Broncos, right? And then he cut out and just gained like five yards of separation in two steps. This is very similar. I think Samuel can do very similar things. So uh, what we know about Kyle Shanahan is is he doesn't necessarily value height uh, more than the ability to separate from coverage. And and Debo Samuel is a guy that we should watch because I think he fits what the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan likes in the senior bowl. And I would expect him to have a pretty big day because uh, because, I mean, the, let's face it, there aren't a ton of super high level prospects in the senior bowl. We, we see so many of these these elite prospects are underclassmen, particularly this year. Uh, but Samuel is definitely a guy to keep an eye on because I think he sort of fits perfectly what the 49ers are looking for in that Z receiver spot, possibly as Pierre Garçon's replacement. Yeah, and that's that'll be and, – and we can talk draft more, but but even in free agency, I think that's that's one of the key things to look at is, is the 49ers aren't looking for uh, necessarily big and fast and, and athletic – can you get open? Can you catch the football? Uh, those are those are going to be the things that that they're going to focus on both in the draft and in free agency. So how they attack those that that position will be interesting because, as we mentioned earlier in the pod, uh, it's a, it's a big need for the 49ers, and they need to they need to ensure that that they address it if they're going to make sure how to take a step forward on offense. Yeah, so I think that pretty much wraps it up. That is the first of our free agent series. Going forward here, we're going to start taking a look at all the positions, maybe with the exception of quarterback, because it doesn't really seem like the 49ers are going to be in a spot where they're canvassing the free agent market for a new signal caller. Uh, but we are going to probably take a look at a defensive free agents. Uh, we haven't decided on the position for early next week. But as always, thank you for listening to Candlestick Chronicles on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You can subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to this podcast. Uh, we really appreciate everybody listening. Our numbers have been pretty good uh, in, in the infancy of this pod. So uh, keep it going. Please please review. Please subscribe. Uh, listen to Kyle at 3 a.m. on 95.7 <laughs> The Game whenever he goes on. And we are out. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.